to this time when we have our uh, Easter program and those things that are being prepared to show people the beautiful, beautiful act of God's love. And so you can get the cards out in the foyer. There's the little business card and take it and give it to people. Please help us get those out and put some in your pocket. Take them with you 
and uh, invite people to this program, and, the, and it has the list of the services and so forth. And it's always been wonderful and anointed because we fast and pray and seek the Lord. And so this is such a beautiful time of the year. Thank you for being here today. We want you also to remember this Saturday. Uh, I'll make this announcement for those that are working with Missy for the egg hunt. The, it's a community outreach that we're doing this egg hunt. And uh, Missy needs about 50 workers, so you need to see her if you would like to help work. And the children will be coming. And we want to thank you for helping us with bringing in the candy. You've done such a good job. Pat yourself on the shoulder and say thanks if you brought candy because Missy was really uh, nervous, but she's, I think she's about to get. If you just bring a little bit more, I think she'll have plenty for the, what's going on. But we, wanna uh, we want to uh, you to just go through your bulletin, take all the flyers in there. There's one about the, the flowers that are being sold to help raise money for our fall family fun fest that we have here. And we do all these little things to try to help you with your needs and at the same time sell and help our funds that we're using to reach out to find people that don't know Jesus. Our whole purpose for being here in this church is to reach the lost and nurture those that come to him and serve him. So we thank you for being here today. And I'm so thankful to see the families that come in. You know, a family who follows God is always on the right path. You may wonder about a lot of things, but if you're a follower of the Lord and you follow after him and you teach your family and so forth, you're always on the right path. So remember that. Now we're going to uh, greet our visitors today and we want to ask our, all of our guests to please remain seated and all of our members and regular tenders to stand all over the building and leave our guests seated and you can look around and find them and then our connectors are coming down the aisle to give you a packet and some information about our church and if there's a new person sitting around you that's still seated probably they're new and a guest so you take time to talk to them and greet them and then we'll all have a time of fellowship now let's all stand our guests can stand too and let's greet one another god bless you Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a poor taste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in
give him praise this morning. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, can somebody say praise the Lord? The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. How many of you are triumphant in Christ? Praise Hallelujah. Amen. We praise you. You know, I believe the enemy has to run, and I believe he runs in fear anytime the presence of the Holy Spirit and of God is working in our midst. In the earth, or even in this very place this morning. How many of you know the Lord is here at Stratford Heights Church? My goodness, you ought to see you from up here. I almost want to turn around and take a selfie. <laughs> Y'all are just going to have to scoot over a little bit you let, if anybody else is trying to move in. You're, goodness, you're, you're jam-packed in here this morning. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Praise God for that. It's, Lord is growing you. Well, I just looked back and I saw exactly why it's happening. All the snowbirds are coming back. Good to see Don and Linda Pitts with us in service today. God bless you. Uh, good to see Spencer and Taylor, is it, engaged. They're going to be getting married at the end of the month and they're up. How many of you young people remember Spencer Harmon? We appreciate him and his family, of course, is all here. But we're congratulations to both of you and good to see you in service all the way up from Louisville, Kentucky today. So we're, we're thankful that you're here with us as well. God bless you. You may be seated. Boy, the Spirit of the Lord is just here in a wonderful way this morning. It's good to see you in God's house. Lots of wonderful things. Friday night, they, they, I forget how many they said were, were saved. Um, in the service on Friday, they've been having somewhere between 20 and 25 saved at the jail ministry this month. And so it's just wonderful that God is bringing. We had 12 saved last Sunday morning. God is just doing such wonderful, wonderful things in the church. That's what it's all about, isn't it? You know, being a light and a witness and a rescue saving station for a lost world that needs to know Christ. Today, we, we, our hearts are broken with the Johnson family, and they are here with us today. Um, I'm not sure exactly where they're, where they're seated today, but I'm back here. God bless you. Um, we love you. Uh, as you know, T.J. Johnson from uh, our church, a young man that grew up and has been acquainted with our youth ministry here at the church and with this family, um, passed away this week, just turned 21 years old. So we want to pray for this family. The visitation will be today from 4 to 6 at Hare Riggs Funeral Home. Funeral will be tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the funeral home. So you want to support and pray for this family. I want them to know that we love you and that we are broken Parted with you, and we stand with you today. We hurt with you today. We know that today is a difficult time for you, and we're going to pray. Would you reach over right now and just take a hand of somebody standing around you? And let's, as a congregation and as a body of Christ, lift up this family that is hurting this morning. Would you help me to do that? Let's pray for them. Father, as we come before you, we ask your grace and your love to rest on the Johnson family, to minister to them and 
their need today. You are an undergirding strength by your Holy Spirit. We ask your work of great comfort to be with them, especially as they must stand today in the difficult hours that lie ahead for them. We just ask your grace and your love to be a rock they can lean on. Lord, let your presence guide them and keep them with all peace. As we, Lord, do our best to be hands extended of your love to their lives and to their hearts. We ask this today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. Also wanted to make mention, Missy had mentioned to us that we still just, she said we, we had a tremendous response to the candy drive last week. We had a candy revival. And y'all did wonderful, but she said she still just needs a little bit more. So if you would, uh, if you feel uh, that you could, you just could, you're in a jovial mood and that revival's still brewing in you, would you, would you drop by Sam's and get the big old pack like that and bring it by? It'd be awesome. We need just a little bit more this week. Also, I want to encourage you that uh, this is a time when, when uh, the Easter egg hunt is for our community, not just our church, but we need you to make sure that you're out there inviting all the little kids to come and be a part. There will be just hundreds and hundreds of kids all over the yard here, and we want this to be an outreach to our community as we also get ready for the Easter weekend. Uh, as you know, the, the cantata services will be Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday morning. Now, the way we'll do Sunday Easter morning is at 9 o'clock we will have a resurrection service. There will be um, ministry and worship and song, but there will also be a preached message. And that will be our Easter resurrection service. And then at 11 o'clock, we will be running the Easter cantata again to honor the Lord on that day. And so there will not be a Sunday evening presentation for the cantata. It will be Sunday morning at 11. But if you want to come to both, you're welcome. Or if you uh, prefer uh, coming to the cantata on one of the other evenings and then coming out to our resurrection service on Sunday morning, then uh, either way, you'll be blessed. Be sure and bring a friend. How many of you know the resurrection is for the world? The resurrection is for good news to the whole world that Jesus Christ loves them and that he wants to save their hearts and lives, their souls, and all of eternity. So we're excited about this weekend coming, and please be in prayer about all the services. Cameron Jones is going to come now, and he's going to uh, lead us in our worship and giving. Aren't you thankful this morning? Aren't you thankful for God's grace and His presence? wanted to read, if I could, in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 10. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. How many know this morning that God can do a lot with obedience? He could take something that's broken. He can take somebody that's broken. Somebody that may look unqualified. Somebody that may look like to the world unable to accomplish something. And through obedience, God can accomplish something. Really fast story. I'm just going to share my father-in-law. We'll take up the offering today. My father-in-law is a country, country boy from Pryor, Oklahoma. Stumbled through high school just trying to find his way as a country boy. And he worked three jobs, got married young, worked three jobs to support his family. And somewhere along the line, he got saved. God touched him, filled him with the Spirit. 
And he began to tithe because he believed in that. He believed that he was obeying God. All of those years worked in the factory. All of those years mowed lawns. All of those years he traveled across the country um, truck driving even. Or I should say, you know, he was, anyway, he had another job there. But what happened along the way is as he continued to obey, God put a dream in his heart. Put an idea in him for something. And before long, that dream came to fruition. He started a store, a small store in a, a storefront place on the, on the, in the market area there of Pryor. And before long, as he continued to tithe and continued to obey and continued to do what God wanted him to do, it turned into two storefronts. And then it turned into three. And then it turned into a warehouse that they rented. And then before long, 25,000 square foot, maybe more than that store opened up right in the middle of town in the prime property. God took care of him. And I'm going to tell you today, and this is the honest truth, if he was here, he wouldn't stand up here and say it, but he'd tell you down there just because he doesn't like being in front of people. But every day there's been increase. Every day God has blessed him. When we went and prayed, or a few people went and prayed over his brand new store that opened up, the Lord gave a message in tongues and an interpretation, and God said to him, this is a gift that I've given you. I want to tell you, God wants to use you. You may look at him, people may look at him and not realize how successful he is, but every time somebody talks to him about it, he says, it's been the Lord. I've obeyed and God has honored his word. We can thank God for that. <laughs> Test the Lord in your tithe and see if God doesn't take you places that leaves the world scratching their head. And saying, but, but, but what happened there? And you say, God, but God, but God, every time. Amen. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we pray over the offering. Father, thank you today. We bless you, Lord, that, Lord, when we honor your word, Lord, you honor us. Lord, we bless you that, Lord, when we're generous on all occasions, or God, you want to provide for us in such a way that we can be generous on all occasions. And, God, I pray in our hearts today, God, we might realize that the tithe is it's not a thing that, that, that redeems us. God, we know that it's faith and what you did at the cross. But, Father, we, we don't do that to be redeemed. God, we do it to be blessed. God, we do it so the storehouse might be full. God, we do it so that there might be food in our house. We honor you and we obey you because your word declares it. We love you. We bless you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
the hour nor the day, but I do know the times 
that we're living in tell us that Jesus is coming very soon. And we'll all be gathered around that great white throne. I don't know, you know, we're going to get through some things, but there's going to be a day when we're standing around there. The Bible says, and I, I can't hardly wait when we're standing there and all of a sudden out of nowhere acknowledgement is given to all of those who were purchased by the blood of the lamb would you step forward i can't hardly wait until the angels gotta step aside fold their wings as the redeemed of the lord come marching through giving them glory and praise because we have been washed in the blood of the lamb and we've been set free by his power amen praise god Man, it's a sacrificial love. Amen? It's a sacrificial love that the Lord has given to us. And we love him because he first, amen, he first loved us. That's where we're going today. I, I've entitled our message, Jesus Christ, Friend of Sinners. I didn't know what else to call it. Because I am so thankful that he reached way down for me. Maybe you feel like you deserved it. Maybe you felt like you and him, you know, we, you had a, a special connection. All I know is that I was lost and undone without God or his son when he reached down his hand for me. And I am so thankful this morning for the sacrifice that Christ made for my life. And I am here today because he's a friend to the downhearted, to the brokenhearted, to the lost to the sheep that can't find their way. I'm so thankful, aren't you? Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. I'm going to read 10 verses of Scripture beginning with chapter 1. And my microphone is coming off my face. If I start talking like this, it's because I'm trying to catch it. While you're turning in your Bibles, I want to share a, a, a story with you. The big boss of a big company needed to call one of his employees about an urgent problem. It was with one of the main computers there. They had a major, major uh, glitch going on. So he, he dialed the employee's home phone number. When he called the number, he was greeted by a little child who whispered, Hello. Feeling put out by the inconvenience of having to talk to a little kid, he says, Is your daddy home? Yes. Well, may I talk with him? The man asked to the surprise of the boss, the small voice whispered, no. <laughs> Wanting to talk to an adult, he says, well, well, is your mommy there? Yes. Well, can I please talk to her? No. Knowing that the young child was surely not be left alone there, there must be someone, some adult, some guardian in the house. He, well, is there anyone else there that I can speak to? Yep. Well, can I please talk to them? No. A little frustrated. Who, who else is there, he said. A policeman. And he's talking to my mommy and my daddy, so they're busy. And they're also talking to the fireman. He said, the fireman? Well, what in the world's going on? Son, what is happening at your house? And he heard a noise in the background. It sounded much like a helicopter. And he said, what is it that's going on there? All that commotion and noise. He said, that's the helicopter. Helicopter? Son, what in the world is going on at your house? Well, the search team has just landed. 
and they're looking. Alarmed, the man asked, frustrated, why are they there and what are they looking for? And the little boy whispering, little giggled and muffled in his voice said, they're looking for me. There is absolutely no reason to tell you that story. No connection to my message whatsoever. I laughed out loud in my house when I read it, and I said, I got to share that. So you're blessed. That's free of charge. <laughs> Sneaky little kid. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Listen to this first very powerful verse of Scripture as we read about parables, two parables and three total here in Luke chapter 15 that refer to the love of God. But listen to this first verse. Then drew near unto him, talking about Jesus, all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. Can you get that picture for a moment? Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, as usual, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise shall joy be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she should lose one piece, doth not light a candle, sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it? When she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which was lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. Goes on to tell the story of a son. Of a son who was lost and went his own way. And how the love of a father waited patiently for his return ran to him, kissed him, put a ring on his finger and a robe on his back, threw a grand party for welcoming him home. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the love of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings over your word this morning. We ask you to speak to us by the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit, challenging us as Christians to move into a deeper, more intimate understanding of your love course, Lord, to also appoint unto a man or a woman today who are in need of a Savior, how much you are here for them and how very much you love them. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If I could, if I could pin uh, a phrase to headline over top of the, the parables that we've just read, it would just simply be, Jesus loves me. This I know. 
for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they're weak, yet he is strong. Jesus loves sinners. He loves the lost. Can I say this? Even when they're lost, even when they act lost, he loves them. You've heard me say it many times, and I'm blown away by the unconditional love of God, that he loves us. He loves us now in this moment, this morning, as much as he ever has, and he'll never love us any less. That truth blows my mind. That, blue, that truth has been something that through the years has been my strength at times when I've been discouraged and the enemy tries to tell me I'm not good enough, I'm inadequate, or I don't fit the bill. It's often in times like that that I can remind my own spirit that he loves me. He'll never love me any less. In this parable, something of great value has been lost. And I had studied and put together this message, and as I had, it was in the car on the way to church this morning that I was going over and over it in my mind, and I was wrestling with it and praying over it. And the Lord, as I was driving down the road, he said, have you ever asked yourself why? Why a sheep, a coin, and a lost son? And I was like, oh, you just, you know, trying to drive your point home, trying to make sure we understand how much you love us, how much you value us. How costly we are to you. And the Lord said, at every stage of your life, I love you. And I'm like sitting at a stop sign, and I'm trying to jot this down as it comes to me. He says, as a sheep, I value, I value you as my creation. Before you ever knew me, I knew you, and I loved you. I loved you, and I valued you, and I died for you. As a sheep, I search after you and find you in lost thickets and find you in the world abused and beaten down. But I look for you and I search for you until I find you. And when I do, I rejoice. He said the coin represents your value, your, your costliness, how much you mean to me and value for the kingdom. You're, you're part of my plan. You're part of my purpose. You're valuable and expensive to me. You mean everything to me, and I love you for your purpose. I love you for my plan. I love you for the potential in your life. I love you at that part of your life. And then he said, I love you as a son. For even in the times when you stumble and you falter and you fail, I will be there to lift you up and to love you and to carry you and to make sure you understand my love never fails. My love never fails lost, to seek and to save that which was lost. That's as we get ready for Easter and as we get ready for my favorite part of the year. I mean, I love Christmas and I love all of the holidays, but you heard me tell you last Sunday, Easter is just special. The, the flowers are different. The, the, the clothes people wear are different. The, the sun shines differently. Everything just looks different at the resurrection. It speaks of new life. It speaks of, of, of a starting over, a new beginning. It's amazing how it touches my life and how it speaks to me. But I really was drawn to that very first verse in chapter 15. We can go on in many messages, thousands perhaps of messages have been preached along the lines of the, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. Many, many folks have tore those apart theologically and, and made beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, pictures in our minds of what that teaches and how it looks. But I was drawn to the first verse there. 
was drawn to where it says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners just to hear him. And I saw in my mind and in my heart the picture of a charismatic personality, a, a picture of, of a king, if you will, who loves the common people, whose sinners flock to hear. You know, I asked Richard before service, I said, can you think anywhere in the world or anywhere in the word where, where sinners were just angry because Jesus was preaching at them or, or, or where sinners were mad at him or they were rioting around him? And we were thinking about it and trying to come up with a place in the scripture where someone who just didn't want to hear it, don't tell me how much you love me, don't tell me this. Over and over and over again, we see where he goes and he meets people and he finds them and searches them out. And when he does, they receive this message of love. And it's so beautiful the way it comes back around. No, as a matter of fact, the only real enemies that Jesus ever seemed to have was, if you'll forgive me, the church people. How many times all throughout this precious word did Jesus have to spend time correcting, getting us back in line and back on track, teaching us and showing us the proper way to live out the faith that he's given to us, the eternal life that he's granted to us. He's simply saying in this, in this beautiful expose of his love how much he values every person that's ever been created, every man, woman, boy, and girl, that he loves them with a love that never fails, that he loves them in a way that, that they can trust him and they can listen to him and hear him, and they were drawn to him. His words drew people to him. It was only when the religious system got in the way that the, the waters got muddied and, and it seemed like so much of the system began to get messed up and people began to, to, to be confused. It was because of the, the doctrinal debates and the issues and the Pharisees standing up for their own systems and their own laws and their own rights and then the fights began and the next thing you know, the same crowd that once was following and the same crowd that was once Hungry to hear him and sat on hillsides was one is now a crowd that is crying out for his death. They listened to him talk about God and about a kingdom that, that enthused them. It, it, it interested them because their recollection and their understanding of kingdoms and, and princes and governors and kings was completely different than what this king was talking about. He was a king of the common man. He was a king who loved people. He was a king that was accommodable to them. He was accessible. He was easy to talk to. He wasn't ever very far away. Unlike the kings and rulers of their day. I mean, you couldn't get anywhere near them. You couldn't get an audience with them. You couldn't have time to, to meet with them. Family members were not even allowed to be in their presence. If you remember in the book of Esther, when Esther was told by Mordecai, her uncle, you know, told to, to go in unto the king for the sake of the children of Israel, and she feared for her own life. As she you know, trailed in there to speak to the king, she, she was fearful and, and knew that the law stated that she could not go in into him and speak to him unless he had bid her to come. 
And so we hear these publicans and sinners are sitting around listening to Jesus talk about a kingdom and talking about God who loves them and wants them and literally desires intimate fellowship with them. He's talking about lost sheep and lost coins and lost sons. Here a king himself, his throne more majestic than any on the whole earth. His presence way more powerful than any king or governor that any of them would ever have audience with. Drawing them, though, drawing them with his compassion. A high priest who says to come boldly before his throne of grace to receive mercy. This was unlike anything they'd ever heard before. He had no entourage. He had no bodyguards. There were no closed doors. As a matter of fact, Jesus over and over and over again in the Word tells people to come. Come unto me. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I love the scripture in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Everywhere you read the scriptures about the Messiah or about Christ himself from his own words, he says, come. He seeks out. He finds himself sitting at the well in Samaria. I must need go by Samaria to meet this woman. He's always searching out for that lost sheep. He's always looking, sweeping diligently for his valuable lost coins. Desperately seeking his lost sons and daughters. We're told in the word of God that Jesus felt comfortable and the children flocked around him. They wanted to be near him. And when those that would reprimand and chastise the children for being too close, Jesus' words were, suffer the little children to come unto me for such is the kingdom of heaven. The rich, the publicans, they climbed trees to try to get a good look and just to be near him. He drew them by his compassion. Women sought him out in crowds and one in particular wanted to wash his feet with her oils and dry them with her hair. Pharisees were not all bad either. Many of them, their lives were transformed and changed as they heard and listened to the words that Jesus had to say. There were thousands and thousands of sinners that were saved, that came to Christ as Savior and understood his love and compassion for them. Prison guards laid down their swords. Centurions said, you need only speak the word, Master. The sick, the lame, and the lepers, they all came because Jesus was accessible. He was accommodating. He was forbearing he was unrestricted. He was within reach, easy to talk to, easy to meet with, capable of being known. He was personally interested in the people that he ministered to. He was one that was concerned about their needs. If you go to the very first miracle listed in the Bible, the wedding at Cana, where he supplied the drink and the wine there for the festivities. He was concerned about the needs of his people. Jesus has an open-door policy. And that's what's amazing about him today. We've closed so many doors. We've held so much in contempt. We, we talk about so much love, but yet we close down. Our, we're fortressed and we're locked in and we keep the world out. When I'm telling you, Jesus was all about going into the world to find the lost sheep, to lift, lift up the brokenhearted and set the captive free. That was who he was. Try, try and call your congressman or Better yet, try to call the White House next week and see if you can get an appointment with the president or his vice president or a secretary or somebody that works in the building. It won't happen. 
celebrities, forget it. TV preachers, forget it. Even Duck Dynasty, we called them for Family Fun Fest last year, and they won $45,000 for a 20-minute appearance. They'll come. And they're good guys. We like them. But try to get an audience with them. Important people don't talk to the common people. There's a class difference, but not so with Jesus. Not so with the Lord. Not the way it is with him. He said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. Come if you're burdened. Come if you're cast down. Come if you're thirsty. Come and I'll give you a drink of water where you'll never thirst again. He was the champion of kings. I used to sing a song by Carmen back in the day. How many remember Carmen? It said in the chorus, it said, he's higher than the highest. He's greater than the great. No one will ever take his crown away. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He reigns from above. He's the all-time undisputed, undefeated champion of love. That is the champion. That's the king of kings, the prince of peace, the everlasting father, and the mighty God. That is our creator. That's our savior. That's our redeemer, our kinsman. That is our elder brother. That is the bright in the morning star. That's Jesus. And he never has made anyone to feel like they don't belong. He doesn't make anyone feel like they're not smart enough or righteous enough. The wall of partition has been torn down. You remember at the crucifixion, one of the most beautiful stories in all of that was that when he gave up the ghost and said, it is finished, Duran, he said in that moment, and the Bible talks about an earthquake that took that veil that separated you and I from the throne, that separated us from the mercy seat, was torn from the top to the bottom. And now Jesus says, as our high priest, you you can come boldly before the throne where you'll receive mercy and grace. This is the love that the world needs to hear. They're tired of the Pharisees and the, and the, and the uh, scribes who spend so much time trying to keep them out. It's time to open the doors and open the windows and cry out to the world. He loves you. He wants you. He's searching after you. And he wants you to know you're loved. The Bible says he's our intercessor. He's close by. He's praying, ever interceding for you and I. He's our advocate. He's our lawyer. He's fighting for you. He's our high priest. He's all of these things. He's touchable. He's so touchable. He wasn't afraid of anyone. Jesus was afraid of nothing. He, he would walk up to a leper as good as he would walk up to a Pharisee. I'd be a little more afraid of the Pharisee, I think. He was an intercessor for the people He's a savior. But what we've got to remember is that our responsibility, our responsibility is that we must remember that we are Christ to the world. We have to look like him, talk like him, act like him, behave like him, love like him. We have to know that it is our responsibility to reach out to the lost and the hurting in this world. You've heard it said, and I, I kind of go with it, you know, People don't have a problem with Jesus. they got a problem with the church. The church sometimes has created issues, and you've heard me say this, and you hear me talk a lot sometimes. I, I do some of that correcting because I think it's so important that we know and we understand that the enemy wants to work hard at making this gospel unacceptable. 
He wants to close it down and fortress it off. He wants there to be a locked door on churches. He wants us to sing our little songs and shout our little shouts and sit in our little circles and just debate and talk about doctrine all day long until finally the last soul is lost. He wants us to get off focus and get off track. But we've got to remember, we've got to love the things he loves. We've got to search out the things that he searches for. And we've got to love the lost. And we've got to be a rescuer. Sometimes I compare the life that we live and the things that we, we do in church sometimes. I compare it to a, a traffic accident. You know, you go to a traffic accident, and I saw one the other day, and I thought about the people that were there I thought about all the people. I mean, it's amazing how a wreck happens on I-75 South. And how, why, is, why is it that I-75 North is bumper to bumper? It's because there's so many onlookers and bystanders, observers, people that just want to check it out and see what's going on. They're uninvolved. They don't want to be involved. They don't want anything to do. You know, they just want to see what's going on. There's a lot of folks today that's like that. And then there's another group of people. They're the police they're there, the sheriffs, they're, they're there. I mean, they're, they're getting testimony. They're, they're taking measurements. They're, me, they're looking at the vehicles. They're trying to figure out how it all happened. And they got to lay charge, and they got to write tickets, and they got to lay blame, and they got to make it somebody's fault. They got to judge the situation and come out with an answer that's fair. They're there, the sole purpose to investigate and assign blame to somebody. Then the third group is the group that comes welcomed, usually as quickly as they possibly can. And I know what that's like. I stood on the side of a road with a young man who passed away from a car accident. And I remember as I sat there with him on the side of the road with him bleeding and hurt. And I remember, I remember what it was like to hear the sound of the helicopter. And I thought how relieved it was, I was that finally... It seemed like an eternity until they finally got there. And as soon as they landed right there on the highway, I knew that whew, my job was now done. And I could give this situation to them. You see, there's another group that comes along, and that group is the paramedics. That's the people that have come to help. They don't care whose fault it was. They don't ask anybody about who did what. They're not there to judge or condemn. They could care less whose fault it was. They're not going to lecture anybody on their bad driving habits, and they're not going to put a ticket in their hand. Their response is to help those who are hurting, to bandage up wounds, and to free the people that are trapped, to give words of encouragement. God, help us to be paramedics to this world. Help us to be people that will go to the scene of a crisis or trouble that'll be the one that's welcomed on the scene because we're not there to assign blame. We're not there to pick it apart and judge it. We're not there to criticize it and punish the people involved. We're only there to bind up the wounds and to take hold of the situation and free them as good as we can with the message of the good news. That we're there to bring rescue to the situation and to bring hope to the hurting. That's what we're supposed to be. There are a lot of onlookers today. A lot of people standing by doing nothing. And they amount to nothing in the kingdom. We don't want to be there. We don't want to be the ones sitting on the sidelines 
taking the measurements and doing the judging and criticizing everything. You don't want that. Get away from being policeman. It's time for us to understand our job is to let God be God and we are going to be his hands and his feet and his lo the love coming out of our mouths. We're to be healers. We're to be the ones filled with what he was filled with when he looked at the woman at the well and he stared into her eyes and he said, woman, if you would ask me, I can give you drink from water where you'll never thirst again. This is the love of God. This is what Easter's all about. It's not about judging. It's not about criticizing, condemning, giving out tickets, signing blame, lecturing. You know, why are we always, and I've said this before, but why are we always so shocked when lost people act like lost people? Well, I can't believe. Did you see? I never. Yes, you did. You got washed from it. You got cleansed from it. Yo, goat, get over yourself. Bible says such were some of you but you've been washed by the blood of the Lamb Jesus Christ he reaches down into the hurts and the hearts of people that are lost and he searches for them you know and I I'm here to tell you I believe with all of my heart God so loved the whole world I don't believe he picks and chooses who he loves I think he loves everyone he came and he died on a cross that man and woman, boy and girl can look up in redemption, see salvation in his face and in his eyes and can receive him as a savior for their heart and life for all of eternity. I believe that when it comes to reaching the lost, we need to be more like Jesus. We don't need to be the church police. We need to be like the church. We need to be the church meds, the paramedics. Some people are more interested in condemning and criticizing than they are helping the hurting. The lost will never seek. They'll never seek what you have to tell them through your condemnation. They'll only seek it through your love. And they sought out Jesus for the sinners and the publicans drew near to him. They longed to hear his words. Jesus has spent a lot of time letting us know there's more joy over one sinner who comes to Jesus than 99 just ones sitting back. He's not referring to any less love for us. He's just referring to the mission, to the purpose of the church, of his salvation message and good news. Jesus loves me, this I know. The Bible tells me so. In times like this, and how many of you know and realize Jesus is coming back? I can't tell you, as I said earlier, I can't tell you the day or the hour, but I know the times that we're living in. Now, more than ever before, it's important that we understand how the, the issues of life and death are standing at the door. It's almost midnight. The bridegroom is on his way, and we've got to understand more now than ever before, choir. The songs are more important today than they were 20 years ago. They're more important now than they were last week. 
They're more important. The message that we preach today is more important than the heyday of Harlan Park or Clayton Street. Those were great days, and we had great times, and the memory books are full of wonderful encounters and services, revivals and times. It's wonderful to go back and look at them, but it's important that we not get lost in yesterday because the time is short, and we've got to be about the Father's business this morning. We've got to be about doing what we can for the kingdom and understanding that God is looking for a place to show forth his love, his mighty mercy and grace to the lost and to the hurting. Someone looked for you. Someone took time for you. Someone reached out and loved you. Someone had compassion on you. Are you listening? Are you looking to the people around you? Are are you hearing conversations? Are you understanding that you're on purpose, that you've got a mission to complete? The Jesus left, you know, when he left in Matthew chapter 28, he told us to go into all the world and make disciples. It's our job to be on the ball. You say, well, I did my years. You know, I've given my time. I, that was 20 years ago. That was 40 years ago. And now it's my time to let somebody else know, oh, come on. We're in now the greatest season we've ever been. For I'm listening for a trumpet sound. I'm here to tell you he's on his way. We've got to rise up. As long as you've got breath in your body, you ought to be out there saying something to glorify and to honor the witness of his work in your life. So important that we understand this. I get, I get riled up when I see people just sit down and act like they're done. Oh, I'm not going to be done till you put me in the ground. And somebody better sing a good song. I'm not going to be done until it's all over for me. I want to go down. with I'm, I'm like the captain of the Titanic. Or if you saw that movie, those guys playing the violins all the way down in the water. I want to be... Uh, Just for the record, that was not in my notes. (laughs) Wow, okay. But I want to be one of those folks that I'm going to go down with the ship. I'm going to go down with the church. I'm going to be standing there when the trumpet sounds, doing my best to reel in as many as I can. I want God to know I'm about his work. I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to get distressed over you. I'm going to work until he comes. I'm going to be about his business because he's coming anytime. Amen. Come on. Give him praise this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We've got too much work to do. We've got too much work to do to be sitting around to just, you know, waiting on things to end. And we, we, we've got too much that needs to happen. You've got sons and daughters. You've got a husband and you've got a wife and you've got grandchildren and you've got friends and neighbors. You've got somebody sitting in your sphere of influence that's got to get in before the trumpet sounds. We've got work to do. talking with someone that, that's cut my hair for a long time and I, I'd been there and I, I, I married her and her husband and I've had a great relationship for the last 10 years. She's cut my hair a lot and she knows about what's going on with the church and one of the times uh, recently I was sitting there getting my hair cut and, and all of a sudden out of nowhere I just felt this urge inside me and it was like you know I, I told her I'd pray for her and she'd say well you know you to pray about this and I'd say okay and, and she doesn't go to our church and she's lives down in Cincinnati, and, and so I was, I was literally just talking to her, and I felt over and over in my spirit, it was just like, you know, you've talked about things, you've, you've kind of made it clear, she knows what you do, she even asked you to marry her and her husband, 
But have you ever asked her point blank if she knows Jesus for herself? And I sat there, and I sat there, and all of a sudden, a tear welled up my eye, and I looked up at her, and I started sharing with her. And I said, you know, I've been coming here an awful long time. I said, but I just got to know something. I got to know if you know him like I know him. If you know him as your personal Savior, tears got in her eyes, and she said, I knew this was going to come up. And I was like... <laughs> Praise God. And we began to share and to talk back and forth. And you know, that day a good seed was planted. And I'm not going to quit watering. I'm going to keep watering it until she comes to the knowledge of Christ as her Savior. But listen, it's so important. I don't know who's in your life. I don't know where your sphere of influence is. I don't know who's standing in your path. But God has sure crossed you off for something. you got to be about the work of God. There's a story I want to close with. If you'd stand with me this morning. Times reporter in New Philadelphia, Ohio. This was 1985, and maybe you even remember the story. It was in the news. I went and Googled it to make sure I was telling it straight. A gentleman by the name of Jerome Moody was 31 years old in New Orleans in honor of the occasion that there had, this was the very first summer in memory that there was no drowning in this it, it was an association, a swim association, and all these lifeguards, over 200 strong, were here all over the whole city of New Orleans. They were all gathered together, and, and there they were, and they were celebrating, having a big party about the fact that no one had drowned the entire summer. And it says there were four lifeguards that were on duty, and as the, the party was over, and everybody was leaving, and they were slapping each other on the back, and they'd all just been right there, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of the lifeguards spotted a man in the bottom of the pool, fully dressed, jumped in, flew down there to find this man had drowned. I thought, that can't be real. Somebody made that up. I thought, surely it was just a made-up story. But I went on Google and I found a picture of him and I found the articles and the newspaper articles and it was true that while these folks were standing around celebrating the fact that nobody had drowned, a man had stumbled into the pool and drowned right in their presence. And of course, you know, my mind went to, oh my goodness. I don't know where you are today. But we're not partying so much that we're missing you. I want you to know we see you. We love you. We're here for you. You've got a lost son. You've got a lost daughter. You've got a husband or a wife that's out of that arc of safety. We've got to pay attention. In the midst of all of our dancing and our shouting, we've got to remember they're still hurting and lost people that need the message Christ, they need saving and rescued, and that's who we are. We're paramedics. We've got to rush to the scene. We can't be found this party and hearty and not, not knowing and realizing that our job is not finished. How many of you know this morning our job's not done? So we've got to do, we've got to do what the word challenges us to do. We have to love them. We have to reach, search. Look for them. And we've got to be a witness and a light to them. And we've got to know what to say. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I wouldn't dare leave this subject or leave this service without giving you the opportunity to accept Christ as your Savior. Perhaps 
Perhaps you need a recommitment, a rededication to him in your life. You've gotten cold and indifferent and away from him. Or perhaps you've never accepted Christ into your life and you need to know him as your savior this morning. If you're here, you need Jesus, would you pray a prayer with me in just a few moments? A prayer that in and of itself is just words. I say this often, but it's so important right now. This is the most, this is why we turn the lights on. So I will reiterate its importance. These are just words unless they come from your heart. If your faith and your soul believes he's the son of God and that he died on the cross for you, rose from that dead, and he is your savior, if you believe him to be your Lord, then praying this prayer will absolutely transform and change your life forever. Otherwise, it's just words. But the Bible says if a man will believe in his heart and then confess with his mouth, Bible says that he's saved. So I'm going to ask you if you're willing at this point to come to the Savior who calls you. To respond to the Holy Spirit's invitation as he works in you. I I can't save you. I can't rescue you myself. I can only bring all of the, the, the tools. I can only bring you the message. I can only bring you the truth. The gospel, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves you. An invitation by the Holy Spirit and your response to him this morning. If he's knocking on your heart's door and you're willing and you're ready to pray this most important prayer, I would ask you if you would to just slip your hand up and write back down. God bless you, son. God bless you, sir. Anyone else? Thank God for these that have lifted their hands. Is there anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. I see you, sister. God bless you. God bless you, son. Christians are praying right now as people are responding to the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus loves me. This I know. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible. Just a few more moments. Are you here today and you need Jesus? Many have lifted their hands already. Is there anyone, anyone else before we pray? God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. God bless you. God bless you. But he is Oh, yes, Jesus loves me, yes, Jesus loves me, oh, yes, Jesus loves me. that have lifted their hands I've lost count let's take them before the throne we get the privilege of walking them right up to the throne of mercy and grace this morning would you help me church let's pray this together if you if you lifted your hand or if you didn't but you want things right with you and Jesus and you want him to be Lord of your life Savior of your soul then you pray this prayer and I'm telling you heaven is going to know who you are today your name's going to be written in the Lamb's book of life 
Jesus is going to be your Lord and Savior. Are you ready? Let's pray it together. Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Savior. I declare that you are my Lord. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. I respond to your invitation. I believe in my heart. You are the Son of God, the Savior. And I confess it now with my mouth. So according to your word, I'm born again. I'm saved. In Jesus' name, help me every day. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Praise the Lord. I would ask our ministers, if you would, to come down front as Cameron comes to get ready to dismiss our service. But if you would like special prayer, or if you have a special need in your life, we want you to feel comfortable to come forward in our, in our dismissal prayer. And someone, one of our pastors, will meet with you right here in this altar. Otherwise, I've, God bless you. And please, don't forget about our meet and greet that we're going to be telling you about in, in our closing prayer. And uh, we'll look forward to meeting you and seeing you there. God bless you. Did you enjoy yourself this morning? I hope so. We believe God touched you. We want to make sure if you've, if you've been at Stratford Heights less than three months, you've made this your home in the last three months, we want to make sure that you know that you're not a face in the crowd, a name on the roll. We want to, the pastor and his staff, have a, a short meet and greet with you and to get to know you a little bit better and connect with you in the church office here. And uh, the pastor specifically asked that we do this. So join us if, if you're, you've been at Stratford Heights just within the last three months. We'd love to see you there. God bless you. We'll see you back here tonight. And may God be with you in Jesus' name.